I want to start this morning by showing you two pictures. Pay close attention. The first picture is of a football. Okay? The second picture is of a flag. Now everyone stop and breathe. Okay? Breathe. I'm not going to be preaching today about whether or not professional athletes have the right, have the authority to kneel during the national anthem. Okay? I do want to talk about the kingdom of God, though. And I want you to feel. When you saw those pictures, what was the first thing that not came to your mind, but came to your heart? Did you feel just a little bit anxious? Did anyone feel like, oh my gosh, he's not going to be talking about that today? Maybe one or two of you were angry. That's all he talks about is politics. What did you feel? The feeling is important because we need that feeling in order to enter into this ancient story, this ancient text. Otherwise, we won't get what's at stake, what's involved, and what Jesus is trying to teach us. Let's take those feelings of anxiety, of outrage, of uncomfortable nature, and let's bring them and enter into this text. For Jesus, just before this gospel lesson, just before Jesus went into the temple and he turned the temple tables over. And if you think it's controversial for an athlete to kneel during the anthem and that gets people upset, you have no idea what Jesus turning the temples, how upset that got people, how outraged they were. Just imagine, you were a pilgrim. You walked maybe for days at end to get to the temple just as your father and your grandfather before you. You traveled with a pocket full of coins in order to purchase the sacrificial animal that would connect you with God for yet another year. That would be the way for sins to be forgiven and life to be made right and you get to the temple, and there's this preacher from the backwoods, Nazareth, and he's causing a commotion in the temple. By what authority? What gives you the right, you Jesus of Nazareth? What gives you the right to turn upside down, to cause such commotion? Remember that feeling? Yeah. But it wasn't only Jesus turning the temple tables upside down that created that feeling. No, Jesus went ahead and did the unthinkable. He shared a meal with people that he ought not to have eaten with. A good holy person knows you don't dine with tax collectors. You don't dine with prostitutes. You don't dine with outsiders. That's not right. That's not appropriate. 
By what authority do you do such things? That is what the chief priests were wagging their fingers at. That's what was getting into the hearts and the anger of the holy people of God. You see, we had two different ideas about what God, who God was, and how holy and faithful people respond to God at play. The question in this text is what source of authority, what source of right is at the heart of Jesus' ministry? Unless we think it's just about the first century, let's rewrite that question. What is the source of power and right in your life? What do you base your actions on, your thoughts, your opinions, your responses to all those things that are swirling around us? We'll get to that in a moment. But back to Jesus and the chief priests and their idea, idea about God. For the chief priests, much like the Pharisees, God was best understood in terms of order and rules. Rules are key. Thou shall not. God was understood as putting together the rules that you followed. And those who followed the rules maintained a right relationship with God. And those who didn't, well, they were in trouble. Religion and faith was about following the rules. It was about the institution in this case, the temple, but just as well the church later, the institution. You got connected to God through the institution, through the temple, through your sacrifices, through your prayer on Sunday morning was your connection point with God. And so you thought about preserving those institutions. And finally, you maintained very rigid boundaries, very strict rules of what was acceptable and what was not, because if you didn't, the unholy, the outsider, might come and spoil the holy and the good and the righteous. That's the way the chief priests thought about their faith and about God. Now, of course, we know that Jesus had a different idea. Jesus had a different idea of what the kingdom of God was all about. Instead of rules being key, relationships was what it was all about. Relationships, relationships with the creator of all life. God created all people in God's image. God created all of creation. And so God was connected with everything, all of life. Relationships were important to be in right relationship with God. And not only that, the focus, instead of being on uh, institutions, was on community. Community gathered together, shared in, in grace and mutual love and respect and honor. Community affirmed each other. The Christians that followed Jesus, they came together around their word, around their prayers, around the table 
to share life, to be in the presence of the risen God. Community, not institution. And finally, there were boundaries in Jesus' world, but the boundaries were set by love. In Jesus' ministry, the boundary is set by love, and yet it is constantly moving outward as Jesus invites us to love even our enemies, to love beyond. And so those boundaries expand. They're not rigid, but they give way to life and they transform. That's the image that Jesus had of God that was at the heart of Jesus' source of power and authority. For Christ is connected to God, the author of all life. So let's take a look at this. At the end of the parable, the charge that Jesus makes to the Pharisees, to the chief priests, and to all those who want to contain God in those rigid boundaries, you did not repent. The accusation, you did not repent. You did not turn toward God for the source of your life. Instead, you relied on following the rules, on your own works righteousness. You followed on the institution. You bet your whole life on those things. You didn't turn to the source of God for your life. And guess what? The tax collectors... They knew to do that. They knew not to turn to themselves because if they turned to themselves, they were not in a good shape when it came to being in relationship with God. But they sought God's grace and forgiveness and they received those gifts as well as all the other outsiders that Jesus reached out to. They turned and they believed. They put their trust in God alone. When our words connect with our actions, that's the place where faith lives and lives a life that is meaningful, a life that engages in the ministry and the kingdom of God. It's hard, isn't it? On the way out of church in the first service, someone said to me, you know, Pastor, when you started with those pictures, and I just got so upset, and, and, and I just went, went, went on about, and, 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 but it's so hard. It's so hard to live in, in such a divisive time. It's so hard to know what's right and how do we stand up. So let's look at some of the things that come out of our text how can we let our faith guide our actions at a time when people want to divide us and separate us? How do we let our faith guide our actions in a context of racism and of divisions in our society that are pulling people apart? How do we let our faith guide our actions? Well, the first thing, we recognize the authority of God as ultimate. God is bigger 
than a flag. God is bigger than a cross. God is bigger than a nation or even the church, the creator of all life. The source of all life on this planet is the ultimate to be worshipped above all things. That's where we start. That's where Jesus started. That's where his actions based on that authority were, were, came forth. But then we need to listen to the concerns of others. Listen to pain of others. Listen because that's how Jesus went about his ministry. Trying to understand where others were at. It would do us well if we acknowledged our fears. Because they get in the way of us living out our faith. Our fears of others who are different. Our prejudices, our biases. These things get in the way. And those that would encourage us to be fearful are not following in the way of Christ. We acknowledge our fears and then we have the courage to move beyond them. And we move beyond them in love. Let us take the stance of love and action. If we begin with the love and the grace of an ultimate God, then we have but one way in which to respond to our neighbor. And that is in love. And so, what is the source of power and authority and right in your life. Let's think about that today. Let's think about that and take a moment to step away from the controversies. And when we have an answer to that question, why? Then, sit, stand, kneel, act out your faith. Amen.